0: y'all. Thank you, Darius, to be with you folks. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in three passages of scripture, or three verses of scripture, verses 13 to 16. And as was mentioned, we are in a series called Built to Last. And the whole premise of this series is that we want to live our lives in such a way that we can leave an impact that lives beyond us, because how many of us know that our lives here on this earth is pretty brief, but we want to live our lives in such a way that we can have a lasting legacy. But a legacy doesn't just happen on accident. It takes intentional effort and focus for us to live this kind of lives. And so if we want to leave a legacy, we have to live a legacy with our lives. And what we've been learning throughout this series is this, that the only thing that is eternal in this life is the gospel and the people who have been impacted by the gospel, And so Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking at. And Jesus is communicating to us as believers really what is priority for us in our lives. So Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 16 says this. You, he's speaking, Jesus, are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out. And trampled underfoot as worthless. Then he goes on to say this, another metaphor. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to preach a message from this passage of scripture on the premise, salted lives and radiant hearts. Salted lives and radiant hearts. If you're ready for the word, say yeah. Yeah. If you want God to speak to your heart, say oh oh yeah. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We position ourselves to hear from you, Lord. We thank you that you're constantly speaking, and today, in this moment right here, we posture ourselves to, to, so that we can hear your, your still soft voice. We don't want to hear a preacher, we want to hear your spirit, so give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is soft, open, and receptive for everything that you want to deposit into us today. We thank you that one encounter with you and one word from you can change us forever, so let today be that day. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Salted lives and radiant hearts. How many of us know that there is a vast difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge and wisdom. Two words that often are used synonymously, but they have two completely different meanings. Knowledge is an accumulation or an accumulation or an awareness of information, but wisdom is different. Wisdom is the application of that information. And how many of us know that you can have knowledge but be lacking in wisdom? Why? Because it's applied information that leads to wisdom. I got firsthand experience with the difference of wisdom and knowledge when I became a dad. Now, in preparation for becoming a father, I was reading books. My son Judah currently is 18 months, looks exactly like the mom, cute. Come on, somebody. And so uh, in preparation of becoming a father, I was reading books, watching videos, wanting to do my best as a pre-dad to position myself to be a great dad. Come on, somebody. I want to be a great dad, so I was like, like I was thinking like a training. I'm going to get game film. I want to watch stuff, make sure that I get all the information needed to be the best possible father that I could be. And so my son Judah is born, and I think the prophet... Mike Tyson said it best: that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, or he might have said it this way: until you get punched in the face. I don't know; it might have been Mike Tyson. But uh, so I had all this knowledge, and how many of us know that that knowledge went out the window as soon as my son was born? Everything that I read, everything that I watched, seemed to be like a distant past because now I have a real human right in front of me, and he's not responding to any of the knowledge that I'm trying to apply in this situation. Now, my mother-in-law was a champ. She is a MVP. People call their in-laws outlaws, but that's not my situation because my mother-in-law is the best. And she had wisdom. Why? Because she raised kids before. This wasn't her first rodeo. And so every situation I would watch her, she would just be amazing in knowing what to do in any particular circumstance. And I was just amazed, like, How do you do that? And she was like, I've been a mom before. I'm applying experience that I've had raising kids. And so I realized that I had knowledge about how to raise a kid. But my mother-in-law had what? Wisdom on how to raise a kid because she's done it before in her life. And I think for us today... We're living in a time in society where we have an abundance of knowledge, but we're lacking in wisdom. Turn on social media, everyone is an expert on everything. Why? Because they have knowledge about a topic, but very few people actually have wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is experience. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is understanding not only what to do, but when to do it and how to do it. That's what wisdom is. And the reason why I say all of this is because when we're coming to a topic in scripture, like being salt and light, many of us who've been in church before can easily tune out thinking, I already know that. That's not any new information. Come on, just get along. Like you're probably in your mind thinking, just get along with the message already. Why? Because it's such a simple topic that has been preached constantly within the church. But I don't want you to tune out because... Oftentimes, as believers, we can deceive ourselves into thinking, just because I know about something, that I'm actually living out the thing that I know. There is a complete difference between wisdom and knowledge. And just because you know about being salt and light, that doesn't automatically mean you're actually being salt and light. So for us, as we get into this topic of scripture, I want us to take an honest assessment where we're currently at. Not where we were a month ago, not even where we were a year ago, but take an honest assessment of where you're currently at in your life today to see, am I being what Jesus is challenging me to be as salt and light in my life? So we're going to look at three truths from what we just read, and we want to make sure that we just don't confuse information with application. So the first truth is this. We need to display the gospel every day in every way. So a gospel isn't just about knowing about Jesus, it's really reflecting Jesus with our lives. So Jesus said this in verse 13 and 15, he describes us to being two metaphors. He describes us being light and salt, salt of the earth and light of the world. And so salt has some interesting qualities. I don't know if you know this about salt but we use salt to do three things to season to preserve and to heal so salt for us how many of us know that if you're cooking one of your best tools in the kitchen is a hint of salt come on somebody we use salt to what add flavor to whatever it is that we are cooking and if you are eating most of us would add a little salt into what we're eating why because we want to add more flavor sometimes the cook would get offended because you're adding something to what they're already prepared but the whole purpose of salt is to bring out flavor it's to make it taste better my question for us today is are we adding flavor to the lives of the people that we interact with on a daily basis like, are we making situations and circumstances better just because of our presence in that situation? Are we adding flavor, or are we taking flavor from the people that we live with? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Preserves, Salt was very valuable in this time. They didn't have modern-day appliances like we do. One of the best appliances that we have is called the refrigerator. What's good about the refrigerator? It makes things last longer. Before electricity, their way of refrigerating things came through adding salt. Salt was a preservative. It made the produce last longer. It added more life to it. So Jesus is asking, are we as believers adding life to situations and circumstances and people, or are we taking life? Are we sucking people dry by our presence, or are we adding life and joy to their presence or to their lives just because of our presence? Third thing is healing. Salt brings healing. If you ever had a, uh, a scrape or a cut, the best thing that you could do is go to the beach. and what it would do, the salt water would actually quicken the healing process for whatever wound that you have. And so Jesus is saying that Are we adding healing to the earth through our presence and interactions? Or are we increasing the hurt in the world? How many of us know we're living in a world filled with hurt? So are we adding healing to the world? Or are we increasing the hurt that many people experience on a daily basis? So for us, Jesus is calling us to be salt. The irony about this is when it comes to believers, instead of being salt, most believers just act salty. You know there's the difference, right? You ever seen a salty believer before? Irritated at everyone and everything, constantly complaining, constantly bringing the vibe down in the room. And if you are this person, don't feel guilty. It's just a sign that you haven't spent quality time with Jesus yet. Maybe your time with Jesus has been lacking, and the lack of quality time with our Lord and Savior is contributing to the saltiness in your life. So if you're seeing that as evidence in your interactions, it's probably time I need to reconnect my soul and my spirit with my Heavenly Father. Because he allows us to be salt through connection so that we're not acting salty. So let's let's redeem this word salt. And make sure that we're not acting in such a way that we're acting salty. Sometimes we just got to make sure that our face doesn't look salty in situations. How many of us have that RB face, RBF face, you know, resting believer's face? We got to make sure that we change that. So speak to our face. Act like a Christian and look like one too. <clears throat> so the second metaphor is he encourages us to be light. What does light do? Light illuminates. It doesn't how, matter how dark a room it is. One little light can actually make a huge impact in a dark room. And so what Jesus is saying, that we should live in such a way that it doesn't matter how dark the world is around us, that we have to live in such a way that we actually illuminate light in dark situations. So for us, we have to look, am I living in such a way that people can see Jesus through my life? He encourages us not to hide our light, which means this, that It's impossible for us to have a faith in God and keep it private. We have a personal faith with Jesus, but our relationship with Jesus is never private. It always needs to be shown and seen. Not by just what we say, but how we live. So my question for us today is this. Do the people that you interact with on a daily basis, do they even know that you serve Jesus? Or is your faith so in the closet that people don't even know that they think that, you're a different person because we've compartmentalized our Christian faith to just two days of a week, a small group setting or a church service. So we need to have a daily faith whereby the way that we live, we're impacting the world around us. So these two metaphors that Jesus is communicating to us is showing us how serious the way we live is in our lives. That our awareness of Jesus has to translate into our application of Jesus with how We live our lives. So the words that we speak, the way that we treat people, the way that we interact with one another, that should reflect the Savior that we claim to serve in our lives. So Jesus wants us to live in such a way that we're infectious in a positive way to the world around us. He says it like this in Galatians chapter 5. We need to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, in the same way that you would want to be treated and loved, we need to contribute that to the lives of the people that we interact with on a daily basis. So, are we light and salt in our lives that people can see through the way that we live that we serve Jesus? Our second point in our notes is this our good works is a bridge to make disciples. It's a bridge to make disciples. Verse 16 says it this way. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. So people need to see it for all to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So the way that we live our lives, the good deeds that we do, that is just a bridge to connecting the gospel to the heart of a person. What a bridge does, it connects uh, two places together. And so what we want is our good deeds to be a bridge for the person that, who doesn't know God to receive the good news, which is about Jesus Christ. So we want to pave the way for a person to coming into a relationship with God by the way that we love and serve them. So we want to do good deeds. But We also have to understand that our good deeds don't save us. We can't use good deeds as a way to get into heaven. It's not a means for salvation, but it's actually a proof that we are saved. The way... That we show good deeds is not to get saved, but it's proof that we are saved. So if we're doing good deeds, it's not for us to get saved, but it's a way to show the world that we have a relationship with God. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 28, this is his last words, and he says this, "I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's saying we need to make disciples, not just good church attenders. How many of us know that you can attend church and still not be a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows after Jesus. It's a disciplined follower of Christ. And so what we want to see coming out of our lives is that the more we know Jesus, the more we live and act like Jesus on a daily basis. That it should be not something that we have to turn on, but it's something that we keep on all the time every single day. So I want to give you some encouragement that we as a church are trying to do our part to use good deeds in such a way so that we can share the good news with the society that God has called us to reach, which is right around us. And Pearlside, you guys have been an amazing church, just leveraging every moment to serve the community. Here's a a few things that we've been doing as a church. Every first Saturday of the month, we do a food drive in partnership with the Hawaii Food Bank. We provide food uh, to families in need. And food right now is a high priority. So every first Saturday is an opportunity for us to not only feed the community, but we take a moment before anyone receives the food to pray for practical things that each family needs because we want, not only want to feed a physical appetite, we also want to feed their spiritual appetite, giving them opportunities to experience God through us. So that's the food drive. Every so often we do a blood drive. We host it in partnership with the Hawaii Blood Bank and uh, blood is an essential. Uh, One pint can potentially save three lives and so we've done this throughout the years and you guys have been stellar. We've been Uh, Able to meet practical needs in society through the the giving of blood. The third thing that we've done as a church, school supply drive. Every beginning of every school year, we personally uh, connect with families and any family in need that doesn't have the expenses to buy school supplies. We provide them with the necessary supplies that they need for their kids to go to school. And every year you've been faithful in, in supplying and being generous in these capacities. We'll have another opportunity as we enter into the holiday season through our Adopt and Ohana. Every holiday season, we take opportunities to adopt families because we know that some families need or uh, are in need. They can't buy gifts. And so we want to use their need in this season to bless them with a gift so that we can give them the eternal gift of Jesus in this holiday season. And so you're going to have more information about that in the uh, days to come. And the last thing that's most recent that has affected our island is the Maui fires. And you folks as a church have been stellar. We've currently raised to date over $260,000 to give to families in need. Come on, let's give yourselves a round of applause for your generosity. So all of these good deeds that we're doing is to be a bridge for the good news to be preached into the hearts of people. Most people won't care What our message is until they know that we actually care. So we're using good deeds with a specific goal and an outcome for us to eventually preach Jesus. So most people say you should never have an agenda. Let me just tell you this. As a church, we always have an agenda. You know what our agenda is? To give the best gift, which is Jesus, to every single person. So yes, I have an agenda. Because I believe that there's no other greater gift that you can have on this earth other than Jesus. So our goal is so that you can have the best gift, and we want to use whatever good deed that we can to soften your heart to receive this gift. So yes, I have an agenda, and I don't feel guilty about it. (laughs) Because your life will be forever changed if you encounter this Jesus that we're talking about. Other organizations, not knocking them, they just do good deeds. But what makes the church different is not only we want to live in such a way that's different... But we want our good deeds to pave a way for them to receive the good news. One of our members currently in our church uh, wasn't always a member. His name is Alvin Fukuhara. And he's currently a principal at Waipahu Intermediate. But back in the day when COVID was hitting, he fell away from faith. And it was through our generosity as a church that softened his heart to hear the gospel. So take a look on screen as he shares his testimony with us.
1: So, you know, um, let me share a little bit about my story. Um, I accepted the Lord maybe in my later 20s, yeah. And, you know, I um, was following, I was, was going to a small, small group, um, connecting with people, connecting with God. But, you know, um, I'm 51 now. But 13 years ago, I guess I went through a, a two traumatic events at the same time. Uh, one involved a relationship. And the other was a health prognosis. Uh, It rocked my world, to say the least. Um, The hurt uh, and the fear um, was a little much too much that I could um, bear at the time. And instead of looking, you know, towards God and, you know, um, members of my church family, you know, I gave in and, you know, somehow I, I stepped away from the church. Okay, so that was 13 years ago. And, you know, through ProSide's blessing, you know, I, and then I became a principal, you know, after uh, be, uh, being a vice principal for 10 years. And having ProSide come to um, Lehua Elementary in the heart of the pandemic when we needed to have computers for our students through distance learning. And even though I might have had some of the resources to provide it, I wasn't even able to get those computers because there was a worldwide shortage of laptops, Right. But for some reason, somehow, God stepped in, and um, this church, this family, blessed um, my school and my students with 54 laptops. And, you know, that made a huge impact, not only academically, but um, it made an impact on my staff and my children and um, their families. And, again, it, it touched my heart. And like Pastor Tim said, you know, that didn't stop there. That was in October of 2020. And then through um, giving our free grab-and-go meals, I met uh, Joanne Ching, right? And she shared with me her story. We spent about three or four days um, passing out lunches, but we had some downtime. And um, she didn't know my story at all. And, um, but somehow God opened that door and gave her that opportunity to share about her life in Christ. And, again, coming from where I was 13 years ago, um, you know, God just opens doors, yeah. And so through her story, it touched my heart, and, um, you know, she invited me to church, right? And I was like, okay, prosite, prosite, that's the same guys that, you know, donated computers a few months ago, right? And, and I remember, you know, my friends out there... Um, those, those are the guys that I trained jujitsu jitsu with. They used to come to my house, members of ProSite Church. And, um, you know, just all these connections. And so she reserved a seat for me and said, are you going to be there? I'm going to wait for you. And it was hard for me to say no, right? So I ended up coming. And, um, the, you know, the rest is history. Since then, I've been, so it's been since uh, f- late January, February, been attending ProSite ever since. Um, and like Pastor Tim said, um, did attend my first small group with uh, John, John, her husband, uh, this past week. So that testimony was four years ago now. <laughs> Crazy,
0: right? And here's what happened. Because of the good deeds that we're doing as a church, that created a conversation uh, that Joanne had to share her testimony with, this, uh, with Principal uh, Alvin. And that sh- uh, invitation to church is why he, why he came. But it was the good deeds that softened his heart to the invitation. That's why we do good deeds so that when you're having conversations with the people that you're trying to reach, when we say the word pro side, we want that to have a positive effect that creates more of an interest to coming to church where you can actually share your testimony. That's why we don't give out bumper stickers because I don't trust some of our driving out there. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Some of our driving can be a negative witness. And I'm joking, but I just say that we, we do these good things so that when you're having your personal conversation, you can share with them that, man, we, we are a church that loves people, but come and meet this Jesus through Pearlside. And so his life is forever changed. He's still in our church. He's still consistent in group. But that began because of our Pearlside care initiatives. So for us, we want to always think as a church. That if Proside ceases to exist in our community, would the community even notice? And I believe that they would notice because we've been doing our part to love practically in such a way. So my question for us is, if we were to cease and exist as a person, will the people around us actually notice? Will they experience a void in their life because of they're lacking the love that we would bring? They're lacking the life that we would bring because of Christ in our hearts? If that's not currently where we're at, don't be guilty, but just know that we still have opportunity to change that. That we give our lives to Jesus, he can change us from the inside out, and we can change the message that we live by the person that we've committed our heart to, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, pearl side, this is an opportunity for us to make a difference. Last point in our notes is this. As disciples are made, churches are established. So Jesus said that we need to be like a city on a hill. You know what a city is? It's a, com- a community of lights. It's the gathering of believers in such a way that we can shine a greater light. So the, our individual lights by itself might not have a big impact. But the collection of all of our lights together becomes a city that will draw people to God if we live in such a way that reflects the God that we serve. So Jesus also said it like this in Matthew 16. Now I say to you... You are Peter, which means rock. He was the rock before the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus is saying to us that church is not a building. Church is the people. This is a physical building. This is not church. When we're not here, this is not church. It becomes church when it's the gathering of the followers of Christ together. That's what makes it church. And so the more uh, disciples that we make, the more believers that we have, and the more of an army that we have that we can send out into the world to shine our lights in such a way that would draw people to Christ. And our call as Side Church is not just to gather people, but it's actually to scatter people. What I mean like this, it's not about our seating capacity, how many people come on a weekend service. It's about our sending capacity, how many people that we can send to impact the world around us. There's different models of businesses, but we as a church, we want to be more like 7-Eleven. How many of us know that there's 7-Elevens everywhere? And I don't know any person in their right mind that says there's too many 7-Elevens. Because if you ever needed a Musubi, how many of us know you're thankful that there's a 7-Eleven right there? And the same thing goes for us as a church. We don't want just be gathering in one spot, but we want to have many different gathering points so that we make it easier for people to come to faith. We, want to, we don't want just people to come to church. We want to bring church to people. That's why we plant churches. That's why we start new things in different communities. Why? Because our heart as a church is to remove whatever barrier that, it, that there is. And for a person who doesn't know faith, they have a lot of barriers. We want to make it as easy as possible for them to experience God through our lives. And so we want to bring church, church to the communities that, represent, that we represent. Uh, Kevin Asano, uh, many of us know him. He's been a part of our church for years. He's a graduate of Pearl City High School, Go Chargers. And in 1988, he was actually uh, an Olympic silver medalist in judo. So the influence that he always had is always with the judo community. And so as he was journeying in his faith and doing different things after uh, his, his Olympic days, he was going into coaching and so forth. And God started to open a door for him to actually today have a facility where he opened up Honolulu Judo Club. And so God put it on his heart to leverage the influence that he had in the Judo community and to start making it a spiritual experience. So they would introduce prayer before and after practice. And that translated into actually having an occasional service, and now I think they do a a once-a-month service to reach the Judo community. So because of his influence in Judo, he has an opportunity to leverage that influence, not just for himself, but for God and for the gospel. And so they do once-a-month meetings. Hopefully it's going to translate into a consistent weekly meeting, but the reason why he's doing it is so he can reach that community. How many of us know that that Judo community needs Jesus? So in this room today, we all represent different communities. We all represent maybe a, not judo, but maybe it's, it's a, a cooking community. Maybe it's a, a sporting community. Whatever your community is, if you have influence there, God wants to use you to leverage that influence so his name can be known through our lives. Another person that we've been talking about for years is my brother Moku Kokonu, who's representing uh, who's reaching out people to people in the Nanakuli area? They say that West Side is the blessed side. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not, um, West Side Light, I'm in Evo Beach, so it's not as West. But he's been, uh, God, when he got saved, God put it on his heart to reach his family and his community, Nanakuli. And so they started by doing small groups. The small groups grew because disciples were being made. That turned into a service that they had out of their house. And that's another story where he poured concrete just so that they can have services at his house, which is crazy that he took his own money to do that. And then that service became once a month, became more frequent, and now currently they outgrew their house and they're having services weekly at Nanaikopolo at, uh, Elementary. And <clears throat> so I share this because a guy currently in my small group was asked by Moku to go and start a small group in Nanakuli. Now, this guy in my group, he's from Nanakuli, has a lot of influence in Nanakuli, but he was like, oh, I don't want to start a group. Like, I just got comfortable in this group, right? How many of us know it takes a while for you to actually get comfortable in a small group? And he finally felt like he was uh, 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 comfortable in our group, and we're already making him uncomfortable. And so we're having a conversation. He's like, can I do that? Can I do two groups? And I said, by all means, yes. Why? Because we want to leverage your influence in Nanakuli to reach your family and friends that would never come to my group, but they will go to your group. Why? Because you're out there. And so they started the group two weeks ago. They had two friends show up that would never have come to church. They had another group this past Friday at Wendy's. And they had more people who didn't come the first week. And I'm encouraging this. Why? Because we want to do all that we can to reach people who don't know Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why Jesus left us here on this earth. If not, as soon as we give our heart to Jesus, he would have warped us up into heaven. But the fact that we're still here on this earth means that we have a mission. We have a purpose. It's to be salt and light and to live in such a way that our lives impact Jesus or people for Jesus. Now, I want to say this and end it this way because it's hard to be a light when you're going through stuff, right? When you're going through difficulties, when you have your own trials and tribulations, it's hard to be light when you feel like you need light in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through stuff, that's probably the best opportunity for you to shine your light. Why? Because just because we know Jesus doesn't mean that we're excluded from trials. Just because I have a faith in God doesn't mean that I don't have to go through difficulties. What makes my life different than someone who doesn't know Jesus is that I have Jesus in the midst of my difficulty. And the best way for us to shine our lights is right in the middle of your storm. People need to see that you can go through storms... And not be jaded. People need to see that you can go through stuff and still have hope, still have joy, still have something to live for, that you're not gonna allow your circumstances to dictate your faith, but you're gonna allow your faith to dictate your circumstances. That's what people need to see because everyone is gonna go through stuff. And if we can live in such a way that they see the light of Jesus in us, that's probably the best season for you to shine your light. So I wanna encourage you, if you're going through stuff, don't be discouraged. Maybe God wants to use you and your story to be a light for someone who might be going through something similar. And the best influence that we have in people's lives is the gift of empathy. I've gone through that. I know exactly what you're feeling, and I can share with you that there's light at the end of the tunnel. That light is Jesus. So if you're discouraged and battling stuff, I want to remind you that the hope we have in Jesus is isn't just seasonal, it's lifelong. It's every single day reminding ourselves of who we have in our hearts. The hope of the world that we're going to be singing in in a couple weeks, that's Jesus. And that's not just excluded to the holiday season. It's someone that we need on a daily basis. So as we know the light, we can be the light in our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for this simple message. Let it move from knowledge to wisdom, God. Let it become not just information, but let this information lead to transformation in our hearts and in our lives. If there's any area in our life that we're not living in a way that is salt and light, we pray that you would forgive us of it and that you would do an internal work in our hearts to remind us of the reason why we're here. To live for you and to lead others into a an eternal relationship with you in our lives. So God, we thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus is power, it's life. And we want to speak that name, not only over our lives, but over our communities and the world that you're calling us to reach. In your beautiful name we pray, amen and amen.